It's a season that links the past, the present, and the future. And it offers us the opportunity to share in the ancient longing for the coming of the Messiah, to celebrate his birth, and then to be alert, waiting for his second coming. So each week, we're focusing on a different attribute that God represented in the coming of Jesus, hope, peace, joy, and love. Each of these traits lead us into a rediscovery of Christmas. And we're glad that you're here today, whether in person or online, to help us rediscover peace. We've been looking at a different character in the biblical Christmas story, seeing how they encountered the arrival of Jesus. When I think of peace, I think of peace embodied in the Christmas story, I can't help but think of the shepherds. They're the unlikely recipients of God's message of peace. In Luke's account, it's a beautiful, almost poetic passage of Scripture, and you may know it best from a Charlie Brown Christmas story, where Linus tells Charlie, that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. But here is what Luke says. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified, but the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's Go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. There's a lot there in that section. To begin with, this is like God's birth announcement. To the world. You know how we do it nowadays. You have a cake and you cut it and see is it blue or pink on the inside or you have a, a streamer or whatever. But this is God's birth announcement to the world. Suddenly in the middle of a dark and ordinary night in the Bethlehem countryside, an angel appears in the sky and is then joined 
by a sky full of angels. The New Living Translation calls them the armies of heaven. And it's hard to imagine just how magnificent, how bright, how terrifying, how glorious a sight that must have been. And then there's the sound. Altogether, these incredible angels are praising God, probably singing, declaring the glory to God in heaven and peace on earth to humanity. What language or languages were they speaking and singing in? What kind of melody? What, what kind of harmony was it? How loud must that have been? We complain about loud music, don't we? But imagine a sky full of angels singing. I bet you the decibel level on that went way too high. Could anyone else hear it? Was it just for the shepherds? This audience for this grand announcement, an amazing angelic show, must have been some important VIPs. You know, the rich and famous, the powerful, the kings and queens, and the movers and the shakers of the world, right? Not at all. So shepherds, completely ordinary, average Joe, night shift working, animal keepers, who are the unlikely, unexpected recipients of this message of peace. Message of wholeness, message of God's favor. It's yet another scene in how God is perfectly flipping the script on what we humans expect to happen. What we plan for. What we would do if, if the world was up to us. But the whole experience leaves us asking, why shepherds? Why these completely unexpecting, unassuming guys and gals out in the field? Why them? Maybe it's because shepherds actually lie in the biblical thread of many stories. Shepherds remind us of the patriarchs of Israel who were shepherds and nomadic animal keepers, roaming ranchers of the ancient world. Abraham was the original recipient of God's covenant that he would bless all nations through the, of the world. And this promise was carried on through Abraham's ancestors, Isaac, Jacob, and beyond, all shepherds. David, Israel's greatest king, was first a shepherd. Shepherds were everyday people, nothing special. They had no entitlement, no pride, no arrogance, no religious bloating. They fit right in this process of introducing God's Messiah, a humble carpenter, peasant girl as parents for the son of God a birth in a lowly stable surrounded by animals rough rugged shepherds out in the field on the edge of, of more refined civilization the have nots examples of God raising up and using humble and, and, and those who are willing to be used by him those considered by society to be the most holy weren't given a place 
in the stable to kneel on holy ground and witness the arrival of the Messiah. These shepherds also signify Jesus' future ministry and teaching. Sheep might have been lowly animals, but they were very special animals in the Jewish culture. The Passover lamb was the sacrifice an ancient Jew would make during the most important holiday of the year. Its blood was the atonement for a person's sins, the cost that had to be paid to restore a person to God. Each time it was done, this sacrifice was a reminder of the original Passover and God's rescue and exodus of his people from Egypt. Jesus was entering this world to fulfill his identity as the Lamb of God, who came to take away the sins of the world. He was the ultimate sacrifice and payment for our sins. His death did away with the need for the sacrificial lambs. His resurrection made it possible for us to be fully restored in our relationship with God. His life made it possible to experience true peace, shalom in the Hebrew language. The word and concept that, that captures the completeness, the wholeness of God's original creation. Probably partly for all of these reasons that God sent the angelic messengers to announce the birth of his son to shepherds. It certainly reminds us that God's favor is not based on human standards. His favor is on all those who humbly acknowledge their brokenness and accept the gifts of hope, peace, joy, and love that only Jesus brings. Peace is not based on class or, in the, or position or occupation, but on God's purpose and his design to bring good news that will cause great joy for all the people. I think the shepherds also lead us into several insights about our own intersection with God's peace. I'm going to tell you three of them today. Number one, peace comes in the midst of our storms. Have you ever experienced a hurricane? Have you ever lived through the eye of a hurricane? It's an eerie experience. There's truly a stillness right there in the center, in the, in the center of the melee that's going on around you. The winds calm, the rains cease, but it's only temporary. It doesn't last, and then those winds start to howl again, this time in the opposite direction. Let me ask you this. How is your Christmas season going? How does your Christmas season typically go? If we're honest, we might choose words like busy, hectic, frantic to describe our lives this time of year, or for that matter, maybe all year round. I know, for me, I have seven murder trials in the next nine months. Talk hectic. 
Maybe it's an overloaded schedule that robs you of peace. Or maybe, maybe it's something more. Maybe it's relational conflict, pressure at work, a, a loss of a job, an illness. You name it, we have plenty of options to choose from this time of year. For many of us, peace sounds like a long way off. Sure, it's a great idea. It's, it's a nice thought. Something that we long for. But it's so far away. If this is where you find yourself today, let me try to encourage you. That Jesus shows up when the storms of life threaten our peace and our hope and our joy. He is there when love seems lost and the way forward is totally unclear. This is where God appears. This is where the Christ child is born. Where the angels show up in the middle of Israel's dark night of Roman occupation. Centuries of suffering and wondering, where is God? In the middle of a world turned upside down for a young Jewish couple who have found themselves at the center of cosmic events while at the same time trying to navigate the normal life realities of, of paying their dues by having to travel across the country to be counted by the government, having to experience childbirth for the first time far away from home without the support and care of the women and the midwives who, who would have guided Mary through this painful process. In all of these circumstances, in all of these struggles, this is where God showed up. This is where God continues to show up for us in our pain, in our fears, in our confusion, in our grief, in our loss, in our uncertainty. I don't know every hardship that you're facing today or every wince of pain that you may be feeling but God does he is here bringing peace to calm your heart peace that defies your circumstances which is the second thing we learn from the shepherds peace defies our circumstances now you might be thinking that's great for you to say. Sure, it sounds nice, but you don't know how much it hurts. And no, I'm sorry I don't. I don't know what you're going through. I can only imagine how awful it is, and I can only agree with how unfair it may be. But let me encourage you that there is a peace that is deeper there is a peace that defies your circumstances. In all the face of all that you're feeling and all that you've gone through, God's peace just doesn't make sense. But it's real. It's healing. It can guard your heart from the continuing wounds. It can protect your mind 
from the onslaught of anxiety. In fact, the Apostle Paul describes this process like this. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let me encourage each of us today, no matter what we're facing, this process begins by turning to God, bringing our hearts and our questions, our doubts, our whys, our needs, and giving them to him. Paul said, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. I don't pretend to fully understand it, but there is a power in prayer and a transformation that grows from gratitude. It's not the power of getting what we want or somehow convincing God to see things the way that we see them. Sure, we can try, and he will listen, but the power of prayer happens in this experience of peace as our perspective changes and finds an understanding that God is with us no matter what. An acknowledgement, that acceptance, that he's got this. He can be trusted. He is enough. Which brings us to the third point. Peace is a person. It all comes back to a person. Peace is a person. Peace is Jesus. Ephesians 2.14 says, For he himself is our peace. Long before his arrival on earth, the prophet Isaiah called Jesus the Prince of Peace. Isaiah 9, 6 through 7 says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on forevermore. You know, when I read that passage... That sounds awfully political, doesn't it? And you can see when, when the Jews at the time had read that passage, why they would have thought that Jesus was coming to be a political Messiah. More importantly, there are tones of the completion of Christ's work and his eventual establishment of God's kingdom. But most of all, 
This child that was born, this son that is given to us, brings power and rule of his peace into our personal lives. He is the bringer of peace between us and God. The sacrificial lamb, the giver of life. He is the embodiment of shalom, peace. The embodiment of wholeness that we can only find in relationship with Jesus. Jesus is the God who, can, who has come to be with us. He offers us this invitation this Advent season and always found in Matthew 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Is that not an offer of peace? Let me encourage you to look to the Prince of Peace. Even when the winds blow, even when the storms swirl, let me encourage you to come to him and worship like those shepherds did. Even when we find ourselves in the darkness of the storms, let me remind us to come to him because he is here. The Prince of Peace is with us. May Jesus be your peace this week guarding your soul with peace, filling your spirit with the wholeness of shalom, ruling as the prince of peace in your heart. Heavenly Father, as we read in 2 Thessalonians, may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. You are the Prince of Peace. You've never failed us yet, and you never will. In Jesus' name, amen.